Hi, everyone. This is Alan Schimmel, Editor-in-Chief of DevOps.com, here for another DevOps Chat. We have a special edition of DevOps Chat this time, and we're joined by two special guests. First of all, we have Bryson Kaler, GM, Distinguished Engineer, and CTO of IBM Watson and Cloud Platform. Bryson, welcome. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Thank you. And we are joined, or lucky to be joined, by a DevOps Dozen winner, Shelby Smith-Eigenbrod of IBM, and also a DevOps.com columnist. Shelby, thank you for joining us along with Bryson. Thank you for having us. And of course, when Shelby when Shelby's not writing for DevOps.com, Shelby's a senior software engineer, IT architect at uh, IBM. So, but Bryson, let's turn to you first, if it's okay. You, uh, well, first of all, you're involved with IBM Watson, and I think everyone kind of feels a little bit like about Watson, like I did about the space program when I was young, which is, that's cool, right? Everybody wants to be an, an astronaut, and I think everyone can't wait to see how Watson changes our lives. Um, how did you, how did you come to be involved in the, in the Watson program? Well, you know, I was the CTO of the weather company prior to the acquisition uh, by IBM. And if you think about the weather company, the weather company really at its core was a decision company. We helped people and businesses make smarter decisions. Um, and we used a lot of machine learning techniques in our weather forecasting and how we looked at creating um, those inputs into our decision applications, whether those were for businesses or consumers. So, you know, we've been doing that kind of work for quite some time. And if you look at Watson, Watson is, is you know, a very revolutionary way to look at cognitive learning, machine learning, uh, and augmented uh, intelligence capabilities. Uh, so, so they're very similar and they go hand in hand. And so um, when you look at how do we take Watson forward, uh, Watson becomes uh, smarter every day as it ingests more data and it learns more. So the more mm-hmm. we can teach Watson and the more we can help Watson learn and become educated, the smarter it will become. And so it becomes a data scaling problem. Um, and that was a problem that we had been solving at the weather company. And so I think there was just a very natural marriage between uh, the work that the weather company team had been doing, uh, the work that we wanted to do with Watson as we continued to evolve it and its capabilities. And, and so uh, I've been honored to uh, you know have a role in helping Watson move forward now in, in kind of its next phase of evolution. Sure. And if you don't mind, let's just stay on that one for a while, uh, Bryson and, and Shelby, if you want to add in. So this is a, a fairly new kind of, uh, not department, but a fairly new uh, grouping of IBM Watson and cloud platform. And um, what exactly, I mean, it, it kind of says it for itself, but Bryson, is there anything you know special about about it that our audience should know about? Yeah, I think it is it is amazing, and really only someone like IBM has the breadth of capabilities to do what we're doing. Um, bringing together all of the groups around IBM that have been working on, you know, cloud native capabilities. Um, you know, whether it's in our video team and our storage team, the infrastructure group, Watson, our analytics team. Uh, the weather company itself, like all of these groups were working in and around cloud native capabilities. 
Um, and what, what we have set forth to do is to bring all of those groups together and make sure that as we journey forward that we're building a single unified platform. Um, the, 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 the view of the Watson and cloud group together is around a unified platform that's very developer friendly, that's focused on cloud native capabilities, that really enables us to bring to life not just a bunch of piece parts, right? You can go to our competition and you can find ways to get individual services, um, and we offer those too, but how do we do it in a much richer way? How do we make data less of a conversation around, hey, I have some data, I need to store it somewhere, and how do we bring data to life? How do we take that data and actually treat it as a living, breathing you know, part of the organization where as we ingest it and as we enrich it and as we use that to create better and smarter signals and capabilities for our applications to, to learn from, you know, we need to treat all of this as a unified platform, not a set of bespoke capabilities or service offerings. Um, and so it's really exciting when you think about bringing together you know, video, for example, um, as well as then the image and video recognition capabilities that Watson has. And so plumbing in the ability to ingest a stream of video or content you know, from images, uh, having Watson natively there to be able to recognize and manipulate and do things or do metadata tagging or you know, additional enrichment of, the, of, of that content as part of literally a pipeline versus it being, oh, I've got to now reach out over here. I've ingested the data. Now I've got to store the data. Now I need to reach out over here and make another service call. I've got to create another application that manages that service call. We're trying to make the life of the developer easier. Um, and by providing a native platform that is pre-built, pre-plumbed, and really focused at incredible data analytics, and data management capabilities, I think we have a real differentiator on our hands, and we're really excited about you know, bringing these teams together to do that. Very cool. So, Shelby, let me turn a little bit away from the Watson stuff and talk about, you know, you recently uh, did a DevOps blog on culture transformation, and interestingly enough, you, you interviewed Bryson about it, and... You know, we haven't really spoken about DevOps and cultural transformation here. And uh, interested why? Why, why, you know, what made you think Bryson was a, a cultural transformation kind of dude, for lack of a better word? <laughs> well, at first off, let me just say, at the time that I reached out to Bryson, he was not in my management chain. So it wasn't a brown-nosing activity at all. I truly, um, I had the opportunity to work within the weather company and work with some of the weather company employees who are now, of course, IBMers, while working on a project to move an application to the Sun platform and utilize some of the Sun services. And during my time that I was there and able to work with some of the employees there, it, I was so impressed with the culture that they had. Um, you know, they had a great balance between agility and time to market, but also having that quality and operational readiness, right? And, of course, for me, operational readiness is, always been key because I've always felt the pain of not, not having that included up front. Um, and then they just had a terrific collaboration with passionate people that were extremely skilled, one, but you could also tell that they actually enjoyed their jobs, they loved what they did, 
they were extremely willing to help others. It was always very quick to find, you know, who was the expert in this area. Um, very high degree of empowerment as well. So being able to see that firsthand, I really wanted to reach out to Bryson because I know he has led uh, cultural change at the weather company to get his views on, you know, how that transformation went, what he did to enable it, um, and then also how he's planning to bring that forward into the broader IBM Watson today. And he was very willing to help me and provide his input. So excellent. That was why I reached out. So now Bryson Shelby's put you on the spot. What would give us some? <laughs> what are some of your secrets? What's the secret sauce here? Because that's probably the the single biggest question we get from the audience, from our audience, which is, you know, how how do you do this culture thing? How do, how do you lead the transformation from a cultural perspective? What what do you what do you want to tell our audience? So I would say, I would say, first of all, everybody that recognizes the cultural challenge, they're they're definitely on the right track. Um, you know, all of the transformations at, at companies that I have had the uh, privilege of leading over the years, they're not technical challenges. They're all people challenges. They're all cultural challenges. And fundamentally, at the end of the day, the technical success of, of your strategy. You know, whilst you need a good, you know, architecture and you do need a good plan, you, you, you more than anything need great people and great culture. And so first you got to focus on that and you got to spend the time on it. It doesn't just happen. And so, you know, everybody spends a lot of time in front of a whiteboard, you know, working on their architecture. But how much time do, do leaders really spend uh, doing the same thing but focusing on their people and culture? And so, you know, to me it starts with, very simple premise. I want people to love what they do. I want you to get out of the bed every morning and I want you to love what you do. I want you to be excited about coming into the office. And if you don't love what you do, then I want to help you go find a different job. I, mm-hmm. I, I really, life is too short for any of us not to love what we do. And, um, you know, we, we haven't all won the lottery. Uh, we all have to get up and earn a living. Um, so we might as well enjoy it. And I, I think that, you know, it sounds simple, um, but you've got to create an environment where people are free to actually love what they do. And I think understanding the mission is important. You know, why are we building this? Why, are, why is this feature important? Why is this product important? Um, you know, um, you can find a great mission in just about any industry or any application or any part of the business as to why it's critically important. Um, that the team, you know, excel at what they're doing. And, and then I think you have to, you know, allow uh, decision-making to be pushed down. People, you need to learn to make very fast decisions. I always tell my team, you know, if you walk into a meeting and you don't know who's making the decisions or what decisions need to be made, you should disband the meeting and just leave. Um, people get frustrated if there's just too much, you know, time being spent discussing things and not enough action being taken. And so uh, I look to create an environment where we have high velocity decision making, um, where we're willing to take some risks together as a team, um, where we are passionate and love what we do. Um, and that, you know, it starts with me, it starts with my my leadership team, and it, it, it starts with the employees. Everybody has a piece and a role to play in bringing all of this together. Um, and you have to work on it every day. It, this is not a, hey, we had an offsite and we talked about culture. We had three PowerPoint slides 
and now we all feel love. Um, this is something that every single day we have to lead by example. We have to reinforce the energy and the passion for what we're doing. We have to enable our leaders to be able to make quick decisions. Uh, we have to have the courage to change and the courage and the guts to, um, you know, admit mistakes and, and move on from that um, and, and enable the team to feel like it, they're in a safe place as long as they're working hard and loving what they're doing and passionate about their outcome, that they're in a safe place. And, um, you know, I think it takes time to create that environment. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, you know, I have to reinforce it every day. Uh, and, and so you have to have the patience as you're going through a, a technical transformation, have the patience to do the cultural transformation too. Realize you're going to have to repeat the same message a thousand times over and over again. Um, and over time it, begun, it begins to stick and over time as the winds happen, it builds momentum um, and pretty soon you have a, you know, a self-fulfilling, you know, prophecy. Uh, because the team kind of takes care of itself, and now you've actually created a native culture that is a new person or and, you know, joins the organization, they're converted to your way of working, and they're converted to a way that you're proud of. You know, startups, startups have it easy because they start with employee one, and then employee two, and the culture is kind of creative or created organically over time. But when you start with large teams of people, in a pre-existing culture or workplace, or if you've brought two companies or teams together that each have their own cultures, you don't have that luxury to start with a clean you know, sheet of paper. And so, honestly, there's just no substitute to uh, you know, realizing that that is a key part of, uh, of a leader's job is to work at that every day. Got it. You know, Bryson, you, you describe a situation, and, and I guess your real-life situation is that to the umpteenth degree. Coming from a company, you know, like the uh, the weather company, and I think that had like under a thousand under a thousand employees, right? Uh, the weather company was uh, just around a thousand employees. Yeah. Yep. And now, you know, working even just within a division of IBM, but it, nevertheless, it's IBM, and I forgot. I think it's four hundred thousand or some crazy number. Um, how do you? You know, taking that to um, – how do you take that, right? How do you scale that? How do you take that philosophy, that cultural, uh, you know, mantra and, and bring that to an organization the size of IBM? Huh. Well, um, it takes time. Uh, yes. There's no substitute to – I'm, you know, I'm spending my time going around meeting with as many teams as possible and, um, you know, still hold the town halls and, and still bring people together. Town halls are, you know, bigger now than, than they would have been at the weather company, but the weather company had offices in Atlanta and Boston and uh, New York and San Francisco. And, you know, we, we, you know, the town halls now are, we still have them in uh, different parts of the country and different parts of the world. They're just bigger. Um, but my style and my approach doesn't change. Um, and it is, you know, continue to reinforce the journey we're on, the vision that we have, the reason why our mission is so critically important, um, the role that each person plays, um, why we have to do this together as one team to create one platform, not a, you know, individual kind of bespoke set of capabilities that everybody's done independently, but how we have to do this together as one IBM cloud, uh, you know, approach. 
and I think it resonates with people. But I also don't don't think for a second that just because I, you know, last week I was in uh, Germany uh, and I was in Ireland meeting with the teams there. I, I can't just check that off my list and say, okay, Ireland's good, Germany's good. Right. Uh, I'll, I have to continue to reinforce that, help and encourage the teams, get back out there, uh, share the wins, showcase the challenges, and just be very visible uh, and never disappear from those teams because, you know, I, I look at it as kind of like a roller coaster. Um, and, you know, as, that, as those cars are clickety-clacketing up the uh, track to get up to the top of the hill, if that chain that was pulling it up to the top broke before the car or the set of cars got an, an enough over the top, it would just roll back down to the station. And so if you're thinking about the organizational change, you've got to get enough momentum over the top of the hill so that if the chain broke, weight would actually carry it down the other side. Um, and so, you know, my job is to continue to, to push and encourage that change uh, every day um, to ensure that, yeah, at the end, I do want the momentum of the team to carry it forward on its own. Um, but it doesn't just happen because you went and had one meeting. Like this is a ongoing, everyday, live this, breathe this, uh, and own this. Uh, and it's just going to be constant reinforcement and encouragement to the team that we are serious. We are going to, we are going to, you know, do what we said we were going to do. We are going to have fun and enjoy and love what we do. Um, and you know, people want to believe that, but I think a lot of times, you know, well, I've heard that. I'm not really sure if I believe that the, you know, is, is he serious? Are we really going to actually do what we say we're going to do? We're going to follow through, or, or will this too pass? Um, and you have to stick with it because you don't want anybody ever doubting or believing that you're not serious in the mission that you're on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Bryson, you, you bring up another point, though, earlier on in this, uh, your last comment, which is, I, you know, I think fostering cultural change and, and, and change in general isn't a hit and run exercise. You can't stop in in Ireland or, or Russia or wherever and say, okay, I tucked them in. They're good now. Let me move on. Maybe I'll stop here next year or whatever. It, it's a, it's a constant tendering. It's a, you know, it, it's like a, a shepherd and their flock or, or, you know, a guard, a farmer and his crops. You, I, I think, you know, to do it right, you do, they, these groups and so forth, they do need sort of not constant attention, but steady attention. It's a, I, I don't view this as my employees. These, this is my family. Yep. And, you know, it, it, it needs love and encouragement and coaching and guidance and feedback, positive or negative, every day. Yeah, um, agreed. And, 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 and that's why I was saying, like, to me, we spent so much time, at, you know, as technical leaders working on either architecture or budgets or contracts and all of these kind of gross behind-closed-doors things, although doing architecture is quite fun. Um, <laughs> but, you know, do we spend the same amount of time being leaders to our people and encouraging and growing them? You know, if we spent as much time doing that as we did all of the other things, um, I think more of our problems would take care of themselves. Agreed. Agreed. Hey, guys, we're way over our 12 to 15 minute time allotment. So we're going to need to wrap up. But before we do, Bryson, I wanted to ask you my, my famous closing question. And that is, if you had to recommend one book 
for our audience to read that might help them in their careers or in their life in general, what, what book would that be? So my, my, my answer to that might be a little bit old. The book came out, I think, in like 2003, but I really, really uh, That's not old. And I, 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 I'm just not the latest you know, business book of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob, Bob Lutz, who was a, uh, uh, a executive at many of the auto companies over the years, wrote a book called Guts. Um, and it was around the guts uh, and courage of leadership. Uh, in transformational times and challenging business environments. And I still to this day find that to be one of the best books around the type of culture I try to drive uh, within the team. Um, and so I would recommend reading Guts by Bob Long. Got it. Excellent book. Well, Bryson Kaler, thank you so much for being this, uh, this episode's guest on DevOps Chat. Shelby, Always a pleasure to have you on here as well. We hope to have you both on again in the future. You know, we didn't even mention, Bryson, will you be at Interconnect, IBM Interconnect? I will absolutely be there, and I hope that all of your podcast listeners sign up. It's going to be a really great conference this year, a little bit different than we've done it in the past. You're going to hear, uh, I think, a lot of new messages from IBM and some really exciting uh, positioning of where we're headed and how a lot of what we've been talking about here with the platform come to life. So um, you don't want your audience to miss out on being there. Uh, come to Interconnect in March. It'll be great. Absolutely. And I am doing a, a, a panel there on DevOps. It takes a village, which is very much kind of in line with what some of the you know concepts you've been talking about, Bryson. Hey, man. Well, I will come and be in the room with you, and uh, I'll meet your fans and your audience there, and uh, it'll be great. All right, we may we may drag you onto the onto the uh, panel. Hey, Bryson, <laughs> thanks very much for for being with us here today on DevOps Chat. Shelby, as I said, keep up the great work, and we look for more columns on DevOps.com from you as well. But until next time, this is Alan Schimmel of DevOps.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll speak to you or listen to you all soon.